What's up, Re? Pray Share family. We are back with another Bible study message for you. And in this message, we're going to be hearing from Sean Pierce. And in his message, he is talking about the topic free will. And in this message, he also gives us a beneficial principle that will help us all in all areas and all aspects of our life on this Christian walk. So we truly hope and pray that after hearing this message, that it resonates with you and it empowers you. And so let's jump in today. And so let me pray really quick and then we'll jump right into the word. And so, uh, Heavenly Father, we just thank you, God, for this time. We thank you for this space, God. We thank you for just allowing us to be right here on today, Lord God, waking up, Lord God, with breath in our lungs, Lord God, with the ability to have activities of our limbs, Lord God. We just thank you, God, for being just faithful, Lord God, just showing us your love, Lord God, by just giving us this opportunity to come together and gather one time again, Lord God. And we just thank you, God, that we get this chance to be able to gather, Lord God, because there are people around this world, Lord God, that are that believe in you, Lord God, but have to hide, Lord God, due to just just threats, due to uh, being martyred, being killed because of their faith. And so, Lord God, we don't take this for granted. And God, we just ask you allow for us not to take this for granted, but to find joy, to find uh, excitement about being here in this space, fellowshipping together. And God, I pray that every word that comes from my mouth, Lord God, will be, Lord God. Uh, according to your will, oh God, will be exactly what you want us to hear, to be able to grow and mature and continue to become all that you called for us to become, oh God, to be just uh, like Jesus, oh God, to be image bearers, to be those that walk and talk and live just how Jesus did. And so, God, we thank you. We love you. We honor you. Forgive us of our sins, known and unknown. God, continue to change us, oh God, mold us and continue to remake us, oh God, from the inside out. And we lastly pray, oh God, that every uh, one of us, oh God, will be intentional about open up not open up our ears, oh God, open up our heart to receive your word and the Holy Spirit that you would just speak to us individually about what it is that you want us to get as we leave from here today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> and so, uh, fam, we are jumping out of a series that um, Gio was leading in this series was based off of standing on God's word. And so um, probably about a week ago or two weeks ago, um, I got this thought in my mind. It's this thought that came to my mind. Um, and when I got the thought, I quickly uh, was reminded of a scripture that supported this principle that came to my thoughts. And so when I started thinking about this principle, when I started thinking about um, this principle that came to my mind, uh, just a lot of just revelation, a lot of just things about my own life um, started to replay. Um, and I thought it was just so important that we take a look at this principle because I believe that this principle is not applied to just one area in your life. If we really be honest, I believe this message is gonna be a heart check. It's gonna be something that we have to take inventory of our life by applying this principle to our life to see if our life aligns with what this principle is gonna reveal that it should align or how it should align. And so really and truly the heart behind this message uh, is to give us this principle to help us to be able to manage our freedom in a way that keeps us free and also for the sakes for the sake of others. So I want to say that because I think this is really important. If you just get this part, the rest of this will make so much sense. And so the heart behind this message is to give us this principle. And I believe that in God's word is a whole book of principles. It's a, it's, a, it's a book of principles that helps us to be able to live a life that is not just 
uh, worthy, not just uh, pleasing to God, but also allows for us to bear the fruit that helps us to live of the fullness that we were created to live in. All right. And so this principle that is going to help us to be able to manage, to be able to manage our freedom in a way that keeps us free and for the sake of others. And so I want to get straight into this. And so um, the, the title of this message, if you like to write titles down, because I do, um, is, is it beneficial? The title of the message is simply a question. Is it beneficial? Is whatever it is and whatever space, whatever, whatever uh, uh, a space in your life, if you ask the question, if you put the question up against that space or that thing or, 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 or that habit, and you compare it to how God or, or how God intended for that area to look or for, for that action to look, or if you should do that action or not, if you put this question up against it, what's, what answer do you get? Is it beneficial? Is it beneficial? And so uh, we're going to be in the book of 1 Corinthians, and I want to look at two uh, um, um, passages in this, in, this, in this chapter. So I'm going to give them to you up front. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 6, uh, verses 12 and 13, and also chapter 10, 23 through 30. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 12 and 13, and also chapter 10, 23 through 30, because we see this principle twice in the same book that Paul is writing to the church of Corinth, uh, in Corinth. And so um, let's start here. Before we jump into scripture, I want to give you this, because we're talking about freedom. And so I want to talk about the fact that God has given us free will or the ability to freely choose, that this was something he gave us because God loves us. And the only way that you can really uh, express um, that you love someone is to give them the free will to be able to love you back. You can't, if, if, if me and Angie are in this house and I'm like, you know, Angie gotta love me, you ain't got no choice but to love me. That's not real love because love allows free will. Love allows people to choose whether they're going to love you or not, whether they want to do this or not, whether they want to be there or not. Love is not uh, um, uh, something that makes somebody be bound to something. Love only is true love when there's a choice, when there's free will. And so God gave us free will. We see this in the beginning of the Bible. In Genesis, he gave Adam and Eve freedom to roam freely, to be able to live their life, to make choices, to be able to go and do the thing that, that, that they thought that they should do, even when that thing led them to have consequences that God is going to give us the ability to choose. We have free will. That God doesn't have like a stick down there and tied to our neck. And if we go this way, he's like, no. Nah. Or if we think this thought, he's like, nope, you ain't, you can't do that. Nope, no, nah, y'all got to go this way. No, nah, he don't do that. He leads us, he guides us. But even in that, we still have to be willing to follow. We still have to be willing to submit to the plans and the places that he wants us to go. We can see this in, 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 in uh, the life of the Israelites. We can see that in, in their life. They have free will. They have free will to make the calf. They have free will to, to follow God and to, 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 to accept the manner that he was given. They have free will to think the thought towards God that made him say, nah, Moses, they just ain't thinking that thought towards you. They thinking that thought towards me too. They have free will to, to do and make the choices that they wanted to, to make. 
But when I was thinking about this, uh, 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 in the midst of this principle, when I was thinking about this message, this is what came to my mind. And this is what this shows us that when we do, we do have free will, we do have the ability to freely choose. But I want you to think about this thought. That if God doesn't violate our freedom of choice, if God doesn't violate that, then it's so important, it's, it's a must that we be intentional about our free will by being intentional with how we manage our daily choices. That if we're going to say, if we believe that God doesn't violate our freedom of choice, if he doesn't violate that, then we must be intentional about how we manage our free will by being intentional with how we manage our daily choices. Because the problem with this is it, it, when something happens, when we make the choice, it's not that God is, is punishing us. It's not that God just hates us and, and doesn't want to give us vision, doesn't want to give us the ability to know where to walk. It's not that he doesn't want to lead us and guide us because that's what he said he wants to do. That's why he sent his Holy Spirit to and dwell in us so that we're not here as orphans. This is what he desires. This is his intended. This is what he intended for us. But he still has to give us the ability to, to choose. And if he doesn't violate that and we aren't intentional about managing our free will and how we choose and make choices each and every day, that may be why this principle hasn't been applied to our life. That may be why we are living a life where we feel like we should, we should uh, uh, receive this fruit, that we should receive this benefit, but the seeds that we're sowing aren't matching to the, to the, to the, to the plow, to the harvest that we want to reap. It may be because we aren't being intentional about how we manage our free will. And that's showing by how we manage our daily choices, how we choose. What, what mind are we choosing from? Are we choosing from the fleshly part or are we choosing from the spiritual part? Are we choosing from being led by the Holy Spirit? And let me, let me, let me lay this down. This isn't to say that we're going to be perfect in this, but you'll never even reach the ability to get better or to perfect that if you aren't intentional about managing your free will. If you're not being intentional about managing your daily choices, if you're not being intentional about this, you'll never even push towards being that being perfected. That will never be something that you can ever see a, 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 a garden of fruit coming from your life. You'll never be able to see the benefits that God has for you if you aren't able to be intentional about managing your free will. So I, I wanna give us this question. Does the choices you make align with the fruit in which you desire to produce? The continual choices, the, the habits, the things that you do. And this doesn't just apply to sin. I'm gonna be saying this the whole message. This does not just apply to the sin that you live in, it does not uh, apply to the things that 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 you are uh, um, doing repetitively that you know is sin. It, it's not just applying to the sexual sin. It's not just applying to the lying, to the cheating. It's not just applying to that. It's even applying to our health. It's even applying to our finances. It's even applying to the, the to the little choices that we make. That when I'm driving home from church, am I going to stop by and get that burger? Or am I just going to wait till I get home to eat because I know that my goal is to be financially free. 
are your choices that you're making aligned with the fruit in which you desire to produce? If it's not, this principle may help you to be able to change that, all right? So the second thing I, I want to uh, talk about before we get into the scripture is not only do we have free will, but uh, uh, everybody has free will. But as a believer, we have the ability to experience true freedom from the things in which we were bound by simply because we are found in Christ, because we are a believer. We are a believer in Jesus Christ because we are able to, 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 to uh, walk into this relationship with God through the, the, the death, through the sacrifice on the cross that Jesus made for us, that he gave us the ability to be able to experience true freedom that, that Adam and Eve had in the garden, true freedom from what in which we were bound to that we could not be unbound from because we couldn't experience that freedom. That as a believer, we have the ability to be free as well. We have the ability to be free from sin. We have the ability to be free from, from, from the things in which they used to keep us bound. It used to keep us from, from being able to experience the things in which God destined, desired, intended for us to experience. As a believer, we have the ability to be free, to be truly free. And I want to give us a scripture, Galatians 5 and, and 1, it says this, so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure you stay free. And don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Now, I have to say this because I know how we as Christians like to, to well, I ain't bound by the law. I ain't got to follow all that. That's not what it's talking about. It's just talking about the fact that when we're in Christ, we're found free. And what it means, and what I mean by that is when I'm found in Christ, I choose to obey him. I choose to live for him. It's a choice that I make. It's something that I desire to do. It's my ability to be able to choose to follow him. It's built off my relationship with him. It allows me to be free. Christ set me free to be able to choose to follow him, to be able to choose to love him by obeying his word, by living out his precepts, by living out his principles, by, 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 by being in communion with him, by being in a close-knit relationship with him. I'm free to be able to make that choice. He gives me the freedom to do that. And also, I'm free from sin. I'm free from having to be bound by the sin that was controlling my life. I'm not a slave to sin anymore. On the flip side, the law part of it is, within the law and Jewish custom, you, you're not free. This Paul is saying you're not free if you're being bound by the law. If if it's the law has to make you do this. The law has to make you apply this. The law has to make you do this and that. You don't have a choice. You have to do this. You got to wake up on, on Saturday. You got to go to the temple at this time. If you don't, you're in trouble. Paul says that's slavery. If you don't have a choice, if you don't, if you, if you don't have, if you can't let your actions reflect from your desire, but your actions have to reflect because you're scared, because you're afraid of what's going to happen, because you're fearful, not the godly fear, but fear of what's going to happen, right? Paul says you're free from having to live in slavery of the law from the perspective that you don't have to, you're not, you're not, uh, um, nobody's making you do this. Nobody made you get on read, pray, share this morning. Nobody made you get on here and turn this on. You chose to do this because this was a desire. This was something that you desire to do 
to be able to grow your relationship with Christ, to be able to grow your relationship with your community, to be able to grow and nourish your relationship because you love God, because you love Jesus, because you've chosen him. You, you made the choice to follow him. Christ set you free. I want to talk about this other scripture because we love to say this one, but I want to talk about it a little bit. John 8, um, 31 through 36. John 8, 31 through 36. It says, Jesus said to uh, uh, the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and the truth will, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. But they responded, but we are descendants of Abraham, they said. We have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean? You will set, you will be set free. And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave of sin. And a slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is a part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you are truly free. So, so, so Jesus says, listen, if you, if you obey my teachings, You'll truly be found as my disciple if you are faithful and you remain in what I'm teaching you. The truth, the word of God will not just set you free, but it'll keep you free. And they're not understanding like, wait, we, we are descendants of Abraham. We ain't never been a slave to nothing. And he says, no, 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 you're not understanding what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that if you are being found in the law, if you are, if you are trusting in the law for your freedom, for your, for your salvation, that's sin. You're 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 not that that's you're a slave. I mean, not a sin, but that's you being a slave. You are a slave to that. But he said, if you accept me, if you become a son in the family, you're a part of the family forever. Because a slave is just permanent. It's just it's. I mean, a slave is just uh, is not a permanent member, but a son is. And so Jesus is trying to get them to realize that it's not even forget you. We, we're not there yet. Forget you following my ways. Forget you following my teaching for right now. What, I need to go back a little bit. I need to, obviously you ain't even, like you haven't even accepted salvation because you don't even see the need for me yet. So let's go back a little bit that, listen, if you're bound by the law, you're a slave to that. You're a slave. You're a slave to that. And a, a slave is not permanent in the house. They can't even come in the house. Most slaves, right? Most men, especially was outside. They can't even come, you can't even come in the house. But a son, when you accept me, you become a son in the family or a daughter in the family. And if you're a son or a daughter in the family, you're in the family forever. Even if you make a mistake, you're a prodigal son. You still, you still, you're part of the family forever. When you come back, I'm gonna welcome you in. You're in the family forever. And then he ends by saying this: So if the son Jesus sets you free, then you are truly free. I want to point something out in here. That, that, that Jesus literally tells us two ways in which we are free. We are free by accepting salvation, by accepting him into our lives. He sets us free. But also, if we remain faithful to the word of God, it will set us free and keep us free. This may be another reason why we can't stay free because we understand that Christ set us free by accepting salvation, right? I'm not bound. I, I, I'm, I'm, I've accepted my eternal uh, uh, space in heaven and I've been able to uh, uh, 
be redeemed as far as my relationship with Christ. I have that connection now. Uh, Christ is my mediator between me and God. And because he died for me, I have the ability to be found in relationship with my father again. That gets you free. But what keeps you free is if you remain in my teachings. Jesus sets you free. But if we choose not to apply these principles and live based off of the teachings in which Christ gave us, in which the one that set us free gave us to live by and showed us how to live it out throughout the New Testament, we will be able to declare we are free in him, but not experience true freedom because we're not applying this. Can we be real? We've lived times in our life where we like, well, I'm free. I'm free and I'm free indeed. The, who the son sets free, I'm free indeed. And then when we go home, we think about our life, we take calculation, we see some space in our life where we're still in bondage. Where we still feel and living and getting the fruit that doesn't really reflect the true freedom in which we say that we have. That I'm not saying that you're not free in Christ. I'm not saying that at all. I'm free in Christ. But there are spaces in my life where I was declaring that I'm free in Christ, but I wasn't able to experience the freedom of him fully because I wasn't applying his word, because I wasn't remaining to his teachings. And so, listen, we have free will. We have the ability to freely choose. And also, as believers, we have the ability to experience true freedom. And I'm going to get into that as well down here because I love something that I always try to say. That we can experience, we have the ability to experience true freedom in Christ. By accepting him as our Lord and our Savior. But also by remaining in him, by, by being uh, committed to his teachings, to, to the leading of the Holy Spirit, to, to, to the reminding of scripture that, that the Holy Spirit gives us. By studying his word, we're able to remain free. Right, and so let's jump into... First Corinthians. Let's jump into First Corinthians. Before we jump in there, actually, let me give you the principle. Can I give you the principle? And so this principle is found in both of these uh, uh, passages of scripture. Um, but I want to look at them both because both of the uh, passages give us gives us a, a two different lights for this principle. It gives us two different ways that this principle is given. And because it does, it gave me the ability to tell you that this principle is not just applied in one way. That's why I said earlier that this principle can be applied in, in all aspects of our life. Because even in scripture, Paul gives it in the same book twice in two different faces, in two different spaces, in two different pictures. I believe showing us that this principle is not just a principle that can only be applied to sexual sin. But also it can be applied to something else as well. It can be applied to other areas in your life. And so this is the principle. Write this down, please. Everything isn't bad. And everything isn't beneficial. Everything isn't bad. It's not bad from the surface of it. It doesn't seem as if this is really a bad thing. It's not bad. It ain't bad that I stop and give me something to eat, a little snack before I get to the highs. It ain't that bad. Like, come on. But it may not be beneficial. It, it, it isn't 
bad and it isn't beneficial. That's the principle. I just believe we apply this principle to our lives in the way God intended for us, us to us to apply it in our lives. We're going to win. We're going to win. Because maybe it ain't bad. But I still may not choose because that ain't beneficial either. And so 1 Corinthians, let's start in chapter 6, chapter 6, verse 12 and 13. Let me read it. It says, you say I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I'm allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. You say food was made for the stomach and the stomach for food. This is true, though someday God will do away with them both. But you can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. They were made for the Lord, and the Lord cares about our bodies. So the context of this scripture is Paul is writing to the church of Corinth. And if we if we uh, just read the, the, the about the church of Corinth, they were like the Las Vegas of our times. Like they were like they they was they was they they was wild, but we be wild too. But they was wild wild here. Like they were super super wild uh, uh, in the confinement of this letter. Like. I'm sure when Paul was writing this letter, he like, bro, I got to address this too. I got to, I got to say this too. I got to tell y'all about this too. I got to tell y'all don't do this too. And so one thing that was really rampant in this was sexual sin was, was, was sleeping with others outside of the cup of marriage. And so Paul has to address this. And I want to break this principle down within the context of the scripture, but I'm also you know, give it to you for every area, every area of your life. And so let me, let me just apply this principle here, right? And so Paul's not saying that sex is bad because sex in itself is not a bad thing. And being indulged in sex outside of the cup of marriage isn't beneficial. Sex, sex isn't bad. Nope. Not at all. Not a bad thing. God intended for sex to be a great thing. We find this in the first book of the Bible. When he joined Adam and Eve, he said, hey, go be fruitful and multiply. Sex is not a bad thing. It's what constant made marriages. Back in that time, once you got married, somebody would literally guard the door while you go in there and you had to bring a sheet out to show that there was blood on the sheet. This is what consummated a marriage. This is what made a, a, a two become one. What makes two become one. Sex isn't a bad thing. And indulging in it outside of the couple marriage isn't beneficial. Let's look at the text. So this is what this is what this is what the Corinthians are saying. He, Paul says, you say. I'm allowed to do anything. I have to address this because what the Corinthians were doing is they were using, misusing their freedom and trying to use it to justify their evil desires. The desires that didn't align in, uh, with how God wanted you to live. And what I had to address within my own life as I thought about this is where am I misusing and abusing the free will and the freedom in Christ to try to cover up 
my evil desires, the things that I desire that are outside of the will of God, that are outside of the things in which God, how God intended for me to live. And I'm misusing, I'm abusing, I'm laying down. Well, listen, I'm free. I'm free. So I'm free. I'm free to do anything, right? Right, right. I got free will, right? Right, right. I got free will and I'm free, and, right? I'm free to do anything. So what you talking about, Paul? Why is you even talking about this? Because I'm free, right? They were using this to be able to justify their sinful and their evil desires. Something that wasn't going to benefit them or the person that they were indulging in it with. It wasn't going to be a benefit. But it doesn't mean that what they were doing was bad at the surface. And my employ to us is what's not bad at the surface, but not beneficial to us either. We say, you know, the word says that, you know, we are the lender and not the borrower, right? That God has blessed us that we should have plenty. We should be able to lend. We should be a, a river flowing in our finances to be able to give to others. But that's what he said. And it's also not beneficial for you to be spending money in this way and that way and that way and that way. Not being able to do what God intended because you're misusing the freedom and the, and the ability that he's giving you that he wants you to have and being financially free. This is for me. What's not bad at the surface? The actual thing may not be harmful. It may not even be a bad thing. And it's also not beneficial. For, for the Church of Corinth, it was sexual sin. Well, you say I can do anything. You say I can enjoy life. And are you enjoying it to the point where it's not beneficial for you? It's not beneficial for, for you to be able to live the life that God intended. Yes, you can enjoy life. Yes, you can have, yes, you can do it. But is your perspective of enjoying life outside of what's beneficial for you? And I have to say that this could be different for, for each and every one of us, right? This could be different for us. I may go deeper and more stronger on our finances. And I think that that's, that's what we do. We're a little stronger on our finances, but at the same time, we're only that strong because we really want to live the life that God called us to, us to live financially. Because we want to be able to do the things in which we want to be able to pour out and give and be able to be a, a, a good stewards of managers of our finances. And so everything that 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 may not be bad it also may not be beneficial for me. So what's not bad that you may be indulging in that you may be doing that's not that may be outside of, of, of sexual sin? That's also not beneficial. I want to keep reading because it says something else in here. It says, and even though I'm allowed to do anything, I must not be a slave to anything. He does not say, just don't be a slave to sexual sin. He says, I must not be a slave to anything. 
to anything. Some of us are slaves to food. Is food bad? No. But is the amount of food that we eat sometimes beneficial? No. Some of us are slaves to relationships, to friendships. Are friendships bad? No. But is in the way that you're living out that friendship, the way that you're living out that relationship, is it beneficial? Maybe not. And because you went over the line of what's beneficial, you are steadily getting close to being a slave to that. What may not be bad and the way in which you're living it out, the way in which you're doing it also isn't beneficial. Now, I want to point this out because when I say freedom, when I said freedom, when I started talking about freedom, I, I always like to point this out because sometimes we get freedom misconstrued when we look at it from a cultural uh, aspect, when we look at it from a cultural perspective. Because in culture, I used to say, listen, I'm free. The only way I'm free is if I can do everything, which is what this church of Corinth is saying as well. This is, the, this is their culture. Well, if I'm free, that if freedom really means that I can do anything, I can be, I can do what I want to. That's what freedom means. But I have to tell you, in the kingdom, that's not freedom. Can I put it like this? True freedom isn't being able to do whatever to please you or others. That's not what makes you free. In kingdom, true freedom is staying within the boundaries that God has given us for our own protection. is living within the means in which God intended for us to live for our own protection so that we never become a slave to anything but God. That's true freedom. True freedom is not just being able to roam and do whatever you want to and live how you want to live and I and whatever I could do, I could do that. That's me. I'm free. I'm free, y'all. Don't, don't, don't say nothing about freedom because I'm free. I can do whatever I want. That's not true freedom. That's culture. True freedom, kingdom freedom, is simply this. It's being able to stay within the boundaries by having self-control through the spirit that God has given us for our protection. Let me give you a scripture for this. Psalms 119.45. Psalms 119.45, one of my favorite scriptures. This is what it says. I will walk about in freedom. For I have sought out your precepts. I like to I like to flip the scripture around. Can I flip it around one time? This is what it say. Because I've sought out your precepts, your your commands, your 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 principles, your your the way in which you intended, the things in which you have for me. Because I sought out your precepts, I am able to live in freedom. The precepts you do not seek out is the freedom that you do not have. Because I'm able to walk about in freedom because I sought out your precepts. The precepts I do not seek out will be the precepts that don't allow me to live in freedom in whatever space of my life. 
This does not say your precepts about sexual sin, your precepts about financial stability, financial freedom. It doesn't say precepts about lying. Your precepts, all of them. I'm able to walk about in freedom because I've sought out your precepts. I want to. I want you to write this down, Kai. If you can post this, I want. I want you to write this point down. Uh, uh, this is something I've been trying to apply to my life. True freedom does not lead you to bondage. True freedom keeps you free and leads you to life. And culture, if we apply culture to this, true freedom. A lot of times is what led us in our culture mindset, in our culture perspective. True freedom is what led us to bondage and culture. I was free to go and have sex with who I wanted to have sex with. Also, it led me into bondage. That's not true freedom. That ain't that ain't freedom. Freedom should never lead you to bondage. How should how can true freedom lead you to be bound by something? True freedom should never lead you to be bound. True freedom should lead you to be able to stay free. To live within and thrive within the boundaries and the spaces that God has called us to live. It leads you to stay free and really be able to live the abundant life that we say we want to live. I'm going to say it one more time. True freedom never leads you to bondage, ever. It does not. It doesn't lead you to be bound. True freedom keeps you free and leads you to be able to live life. All right? And so I want to I I give us this question. All right? What space in your life, space or place or wherever, what space in your life are you misusing your free will and freedom in Christ to indulge in something that is in opposition to the spirit or just not beneficial for you? It's something that you're indulging in from the flesh, from just your, your desire. And I have to keep, I have to say this, this is not, this ain't always the devil. So you can't blame it on the devil. Because James says it's your evil desire that drags you away. You are tempted by only what you desire, and your desire drags you. I love the imagery in that. It, it, that's just crazy in my mind. Your evil desire drags you away. That's literally what the Bible says. Go read it in James chapter 1. It's your evil desire that drags you away. Ain't the devil. Devil ain't dragging. It's your evil desire that drags you away. I want to say the question one more time. What space or place in your life are you misusing your free will or and freedom in Christ to indulge in something that is fleshly? It's a fleshly desire and in opposition to the spirit or it's just not beneficial. Now, let's continue in this text. It says, 
You say food was made for the stomach and the stomach for food. That is true. That's true. Though, someday God will do away with both. But you can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. They were made for the Lord and the Lord cares about our bodies. This is something else that, that the Corinthians would say to Paul. You say that, that, that food is made for the body and the body for food. What they're really saying is you say that the thing in which we have, what we carry, our desire for sex, our desire for food, our desire to be filled. You say that it was made to be filled. So why is you now saying that we can't do what makes us be filled? You say that the food is made for body and the body is for food. Yes, you're, you're right. Yes. Yes, your, your, your male parts, your, your female parts was made to be able to add to what the Lord said when he said, be fruitful and multiply. Yes. Yes, your money is for you to be able to enjoy and be able to live. Yes, he did. Yes. And it was to be able to do it in a way that pleased God, not in a way to just please yourself. Not just in a way that just was, was selfish to you. And I just do it how I want to do it because I got it in his mind and God gave it to me. No, ma'am. No, sir. It still may not be beneficial. So this is the thing that we have to realize. We can take the right thing that we were given, that God did bless us with, and still use it in a way that's not beneficial and see the fruit from using it in that way and be upset about it. I was thinking about this thought, and I, I wasn't even going to say this, but I, I, it's just there. The seed that you keep sowing in the wrong way and reaping the benefit from that seed of having bad fruit is not God's fault. That's our fault. Because God gave us to us to be able to manage, to be able to sow the right seeds in the right places in the right way, to be able to reap the harvest in which we are designed to reap. So that choice that we make using our free will and our freedom, that was sometimes we misuse. Don't be upset with the fruit in which you bear from sowing that seed. Because Galatians teaches us that whatever seed that you sow, that and only that seed is what you will reap. But I have this for somebody. Don't allow the bad seed that you sow grow and continue to grow and produce the fruit in which you say you don't want to produce. At some point, it has to change. You got to pick up and you got to uproot that root and take that out and bear another seed. Make a different choice. Do a different thing. Realign that thing with what God has said. Because this is the thing that that really like the imagery. I'm a picture type person. I see it. And this is what was bothering me as I was thinking about sowing the seed and bearing the wrong fruit. The wrong fruit that you continue to allow to grow just does not mess up just that plant. It starts to disturb and mess up the rest of the field. So this is outside of a garden, but this is, this, I have to give it to you like this. So in our refrigerator, a dude from across the street had brought us some tomatoes because he's from Texas and he know we from Texas. I don't know what I guess Texas like tomatoes. I don't like tomatoes um, except, except ketchup, but other than that, I don't really do tomatoes. And so he brought them to the dough and me being me, I've seen there were tomatoes. I'm like, hey, bro, like, 
take them tomatoes back. I didn't tell them that, but I'm like, I don't eat tomatoes. I didn't say that. I was like, oh, thank you, bro. You know, my wife eats tomatoes. I don't eat tomatoes. But he brought the tomatoes, so I put them in there where we put our fruit and our vegetables and all that. Well, I went in there to get me a plum, and one of the tomatoes, like, I just got these tomatoes, already had turned green, turned black and all that, and got too close to my plum. And, my, and, and, and some other fruit that was in there. And I turned that plum over and the plum was a different color. It ruined it. And what I'm afraid is there's spaces and places in our life where we've allowed things to grow from making the wrong decision, doing the wrong thing, planting the wrong seed. And because we became a slave to that thing, that seed continued to bear that fruit. Because it'll never stop bearing if you never pluck it. So it kept bearing that fruit. And at some point, it started to ruin other spaces in, in your life. That now you upset because those spaces are ruined now. So you could have plucked one tree. Now you got to pluck the whole garden. Simply because you mismanage your free will and your freedom and indulge in stuff that wasn't beneficial. Listen, it may be good from the surface. It may not be bad. But the real question of it all is, is it beneficial though? Is that beneficial? Is that beneficial? Is it beneficial for you? And so what this text, before we move to the next text, is what this text is trying to show us is simply this. If it's not beneficial, if it isn't beneficial to you, what's going to come from what's not beneficial will harm you. So the free will and the freedom that you, that you mismanage will some way, somehow lead to you not being able to produce the fruit that you say that you, that you want to produce financially, physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. However you want to put that. It hurts you. So, so let's just think about that. That, that hurts. Like, my mismanagement hurts me just because I won't be intentional about how I use and, and, and the choices that I make within my free will and my freedom. It hurts me. Now let's, let's flip over to, ch to chapter 10. Let's flip, let's flip over to chapter 10 uh, and I'm going to be quick right here. I don't want to be, I don't want to hold you too long. I'm going to be quick right here. And so, um, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, verse 23 through 31. And I'm going to read it really quick. Um, it says, you cannot drink from the cup of the Lord and from the cup of demons, too. You can't eat at the Lord's table and at the table of demons, 
demons too. <clears throat> what do we dare to rouse the Lord's jealousy? Do you think we are stronger than he is? You say I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. You say that I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. Don't be concerned for your own good, but for the good of others, so that you may not, so you may eat any meat that is sold in the marketplace without raising questions for conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. If someone who isn't a believer asks you home for dinner, accept the invitation if you want to. Eat whatever is offered to you without raising questions of conscience. But suppose someone tells you that this meat was offered to an idol. Don't eat it out of consideration for the conscience of the one who told you. It might not be a matter of conscience for you, but it is for the other person. For why should my freedom be limited by what someone else thinks? If I can thank God for the food and enjoy it, why should I be condemned for eating it? So whether you eat or you drink, whatever you do, do it for the glory of the Lord. I really love this text. Let me give you context, though, because I, I can't give you anything else until I give you context. So, so context of this is this. Paul starts this chapter off by talking about the Israelites and talking about how God provided for them, how God kept them, how God sustained them, for God was the God of their time. He was, he was God for them. He is their God. But in the choices that they made that wasn't beneficial for them, it led them to to have to reap the consequences in which allowed for them not to be able to make it into the into Canaan, into the land that's flowing with milk and honey. And he says, I'm only telling you this because I don't want you to make the same mistakes. You know, scripture tells us that the Old Testament is nothing but instruction for us to be able to live out the way that God intended for us to live in the way that he did. So Paul starts his chapter off by saying, listen, I'm giving you this example of the Israelite story because I don't want you to continue to live in this way that you're living and having to reap the consequences that you are going to have to reap. Not that your salvation is going to be taken, but you won't inherit the kingdom of, of, of God. You won't be able to reap the benefits in which he's given you based off of how you lived in the body. He says, I'm just trying to warn you. I'm trying to use earlier scripture to try to warn you now as you live currently so he says he's telling them in the first part of the scripture he says listen don't keep going to the pagan rituals to sit down and eat with them because you say you're free don't go to that space in the temple because that's where they go to worship that's where they go to bow down to false gods not that the God is really a God that they're bowing down to, but it's the demon in which that's coming from behind that. Uh, 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 um, that's coming from behind that God, that idol that they have. It's not that the that the the idol is a God. It's the demon. It's the spiritual uh, uh, um, demon that's behind the motive in which why they're worshiping that God. Don't go there and be involved with that. Because what may not hurt you may hurt other people that are in that space. Why would an unbeliever come to believe what you believe if you worship in what they worship in the space in which they worship it? And you know that's what they're doing. You're going to the temple that they go to to worship a false god. So you know that you're going there and you know that they worship it. 
how are you ever, why would they ever believe in your God if you're okay with going to worship theirs? That's what he's telling them at the beginning of this. Don't go over there and try to sit at the table of the Lord partaking in communion. And he uses communion as a picture to show communion is a, is a spiritual a practice that we do to show our closeness, to show our respect, to uh, uh, um, share in a spiritual moment with Christ. He says, you can't sit at this table and share in communion and then go sit at their table and share with demons, knowing that you're doing so. That's not beneficial. But this is the thing. This text reveals to us that this principle is not just to help us from being from hurting ourselves. This principle is also to help others to be able to receive, to see the freedom, see the freedom and want the freedom and be able to receive the freedom by believing in the God that we believe in. That their creator as well, believe in that God, the true, the big G God. He says, if this, if this principle isn't applied to your life, it just doesn't hurt you. But what you do that's not beneficial may be hurting an unbeliever or an immature believer, one that's just coming to the faith. Because they see you going in, 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 in their worshiping false gods. Why? Why shouldn't they? You preaching, you teaching, you, you posting your Bible verses, you telling your testimony. You a Christian? But if I go live and do things that aren't beneficial, they're not just hurting me, they're hurting those in which that are looking at me as a believer in Jesus Christ, as a representation of Christ on this earth to represent him by the way that I live, by the way that I am, who I am. If they say me doing that, that's something that's not beneficial, that's not helping me at all, why shouldn't they? Why are they going to choose to believe in God? So this is what Paul tells him. But then Paul goes down and he says, listen, don't be so lawful about this. Because if an unbeliever invites you to go eat, if you want to go, go in their house. Now, in their house, not out in the, in the city where everybody can see. If you want to go over there and you want to eat, you want to share, you want to go over there and, 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 and disciple or, or, or share the gospel with the unbeliever, you want to go with the purpose of knowing that you're going to fellowship as a believer with unbelievers to show the love of God, to help them to see why they need to believe in the one that created them. And you don't know that the food, that the meat was sacrificed, you're fine. You're okay. Don't go make a big deal. As soon as you walk across, they go, hey, who you sacrifice your meat to? Because he says, everything is the Lord's. The meat, everything is the Lord's. No meat is, is, is just automatically evil. It, it's not that. So you're okay to go indulge and go eat with them if you don't know. And then Paul says, but if you do know that that meat has been sacrificed, don't compromise your faith just because you want to be comfortable with the person in which you're going to the house to eat with. Because the compromise of your faith, it may not hurt your faith. You may be mature enough to go back home and repent of that, but you don't know what that unbeliever picked up from you doing that or that immature believer that just came to the faith that's seeing you indulge in that that's not beneficial. Paul urges us to say, listen, be imitation, be an imitation of Christ in the way in which you don't indulge in something that may not hurt you 
at the expense of that thing hurting someone else. That's what he's saying. He's showing us how maybe that thing don't look bad. It probably don't look bad for you to go and eat, and, and you know it's 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 to uh, they worship it or they've uh, uh, consecrated to an idol. They've made it a idol. It may not hurt you. Consequently, it, it may not tear you down to where you become a demon worshiper or you become uh, you start idolizing. So it may not hurt you like that. But the compromise that you make of your faith in that moment when you know that it has been sacrificed to another God that you are, that they are indulging in uh, uh, making an idol. The fact that you know and you compromise your faith, now you are putting others at risk of not coming to Christ or falling away because they see you, a mature believer, doing something in which that's not beneficial to you or to them. Let me give you some scripture right here. He says, don't be concerned for your own good, verse 24, but for the good of others. That this principle does not just apply to us to not hurt us, but it also should be applied because we don't want to hurt others. Look what he said. He says, this meat was offered to an idol. Don't eat it out of consideration for the conscience of the one who told you. It might not be a matter of conscience for you. It might not affect you. You might be able to go do that thing. Can I put it in, 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 in good terms? You may be able to go over there and, and, and have a couple of drinks. The Bible ain't say don't ever drink. Know thyself. But, but just having a drink, it, the Bible never says that's a sin. He says, don't be drunk. You may be able to go indulge. Can I be practical? But don't go indulge at the expense of unbelievers. And now you in a bar, you got four of them. And you can have four because you ain't going to get drunk. You got four of them down there. You finna have all four. And you got a, a, a mature, immature unbeliever. And you got unbelievers all around you. It may not be beneficial for you to indulge in that space that you're trying to indulge it in. Not for your sake, but for the sake of others. That's what he says. It might not be a matter of conscience for you. But it is for the other person. So whether you eat or you drink, is that bringing glory to God by you doing it? Not the fact that you're doing it, but in the way that you're doing it, in the way that you're presenting God to other people. Is that bringing glory to God? And I know some people finna, 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 finna have thoughts like, oh, you saying we can't live and we can't enjoy. I'm not saying that because I'm going to enjoy, I enjoy life. But I don't enjoy life in it. At, I try not to enjoy life. And if I do, God showed me how I am. But I try not to enjoy life in a way that's going to put others at risk of seeing the God that I'm displaying as a God that's not the God that he really is. I don't want to give you a false picture. And then now when you get in churches, you need to stop doing that. You need to stop doing this. You need to quit doing that. You Bible say this, the Bible say that. But you was just, wait, 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 you was just, 
I just seen you. Now their conscience is, but this must not be the God that you were talking about because you was just. You, I just seen you at the other temple worshiping the God that ain't your God. So how now you telling me that's where this comes from? We have to be, we have to be really intentional about our free will and our freedom. Not for the sake of us, but for the sake of others. And this is what this text in 10 is trying to show us. That this principle is not just for you, for your own sake, but this principle is for others to be able to enjoy their life and be able to see Christ in you so they know the Christ they're coming to is the real representation of who Christ is. We're not going to be perfect, no. But we shouldn't just be not intentional about how we live and the things that we do, whether that's financial, whether that's physical, whether that's whatever that is how we eat, whatever it is, right? And so listen, I want to wrap this up, all right? And so how I manage me doesn't just affect me. My management of me don't just affect me. Parents, the management of you don't just affect me. Uncles, aunts, friends, the management of you don't just affect you. It don't. And so let me give you the principle again, and then I'm going to give you the question of the day. The principle is this. Everything isn't, isn't bad. Everything isn't bad. And everything isn't beneficial. Everything isn't bad and everything isn't beneficial. We're going to a new level, y'all. We aren't just talking about let's not have sex, let's not do that. No, everything ain't bad, but everything ain't beneficial. It's not. Question of the day. Question of the day, and I'm done. Is it beneficial? Is it is it beneficial? I gotta examine this in my own life. Is it beneficial? Is it beneficial? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, God. I thank you, God, for this message. God, I thank you, God, for even what you may bring to my memory, Lord God, that allow me to be able to even get even stern on this principle that I may be able to apply in all areas of my life, that, that, that your children, everybody that heard this message that we'll hear, will be able to apply it to their life, God. Not, not, not that we would be able to live this life great for our own selves, but that those that are connected to us, those that will see us, those that will be connected, that they would be able to see freedom, the true freedom that keeps us free allows us to live life, that they will be able to see that and want to experience that. Because God, if I'm honest, everybody wants to experience freedom. But God, if we aren't the hands and feet of you, and if we're not expressing and showing what true freedom looks like, there will continue to be a misconception of what true freedom looks like. So God, I'm praying that you will just continue to reveal yourself to each and every one of us and show us in ways in which we need to realign this principle. We need to apply this principle to be able to live the life you call for us to live, to be able to really live in true freedom and to reap the fruit from each and every seed that we plant, Lord God. 
from applying this principle. God, I pray over each and every one of us, God, and I just condemn, Lord God, and I just, Lord God, right now, just bind up any sense of condemnation, any sense of, of, of fear, any sense of doubt, Lord God, that might come from something like this, God, and I just pray, God, that you would give us your peace, you'll give us your joy, and you would allow for us to think from the perspective that what you place in your word isn't to harm, but it's for our benefit. That what your word says, how your word is presented, the things in which you intended for us is not for us to be condemned, not for us to be to be uh, in fear, not for us to be in doubt, but for us to have a loving correction because your word says that you correct those that you love. That we can live this life in the, in the way in which you call for us to live. So I pray uh, against each and everything that, that is not like you that may enter in our mind and our heart as we reflect. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you allow for this to be something that we think upon as we go throughout the rest of our days. That we may be the church that you intended for people that really, really need this. They really need to see true freedom so that their lives will be saved. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Listen, I want to ask this question and I just want us to sit for a second. Um, what is Holy Spirit saying to you? What is Holy Spirit saying to you?